Should the Ravens have traded for Tyree Kill? We talk about that and more next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're back here on Thursday, March 24th. Is there was a wild, wild Wednesday, March 23rd in the NFL. Obviously, the big news of yesterday being the Tyreek Hill trade from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins. He'll also get a big contract extension. The Chiefs get multitudes of picks, including a first rounder, second rounder, et cetera. And just a- another blockbuster and an off season of blockbusters for the NFL. And so today here on this show, in the second segment, I do want to talk about the trade a little bit and just how it pertains to Baltimore and maybe their approach in free agency and on the trade market to whether they should go after a star player and what positions it would be worth it to go after, because I think it's all very relevant in in looking at trading for a wide receiver from where Baltimore is right now. And also just talking about the pros and cons from that move for the Ravens, if it were to be them who acquired Hill as opposed to the Dolphins, and if the Ravens should have made that move for Hill or not. In the first segment, we'll dive into just some Ravens news, notes, and quotes, talking about a couple pass rushers who visited the team or reportedly visited the team. You also have Lamar Jackson taking a stance on a potential Hollywood Brown deal or a hypothetical proposed by someone, and a couple other notes in there. And then in the final segment, we'll talk about some mock drafts from Twitter that we got for, uh, for Mock Draft Monday. So let's dive into all that right here, though. Before we do that, if you're here with us on YouTube, you see my face and my background. Be sure to subscribe to this channel, like the video. We're here five days a week. We do daily Ravens content during the weekdays. So if you want daily Ravens coverage, talking all things Baltimore Ravens, be sure to subscribe. We're here for you. Also, in audio form, that's where we started off here on this show. The show and audio and video are the same thing. Be sure to follow us there, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And be sure to Follow me on Twitter at kostricker 34 the Locked on Ravens account as well, at Locked on Ravens. So let's talk about some of these Ravens news, notes, and quotes here. We'll start off with the reported visits for Arden Key and Rasheem Green, two pass rushers. Now, both players very versatile, and they're both listed as defensive linemen, and they play a couple different roles but can be moved around the defensive line. Now, when you're talking about one-for-ones here, and what the Ravens had in 2021 versus what they, okay, let's assume they sign green and key. I'm not saying they will or not, but assuming they do, you, you can look at some one-for-one trade-offs here where the Ravens just want to get younger and more athletic on their defensive line. So key profiles more as a Pernomic fee type player. Jihad Ward is another guy who he reminds me of can rush inside. Also can go outside the Darius Smith, another guy who, who had that type of role for the Ravens. Oh, and I know that name's a little, a little sore for, for, for Ravens fans right now, but he is that type of guy. It was a third round pick in 2018. Actually was the pick after Mark Andrews in that draft. Andrews was 86 and Key was 87. He didn't really do a ton with the Las Vegas Raiders. Ended up going to San Francisco and having a breakout 2021 by his standard six and a half sacks. Played in all 17 games, so very durable there. And I think would be a very solid signing. This is not the be-all, end-all, though. He's not the move that pushes them over the top to a Super Bowl. 
you know, you'd have to be a 15, 17 sack player for that to actually happen and have a true, you know, breakout year in a Ravens uniform. But I think it'd be a solid signing if it does happen. I mean, he's a, he's a player that would help the Ravens be able to do a little bit more on the defensive line in terms of switching guys, putting them in different positions to win. And he showed in 2021 that he has a very versatile move, uh, uh, an array of arsenal moves that he has. And I think that would be something that values the Ravens that as a team need more interior pass rush. They have not had it over the past couple of seasons. Bringing in Michael Pierce from a nose tackle standpoint should help that a little bit from that position. But you can play key on the edge. You can play him in as a defensive end. That would be more of the Pernell McPhee role where you're probably thinking, all right, it's either Key or McPhee in that situation. Personally, I'm taking Key. I think McPhee, we, we don't even know if he's going to retire yet, but I, I think Key is just the better high upside play, you know, someone who can come in and make an impact immediately and have a role on this defense. And talking about Green, you want to talk about similarities between these two guys. I tweeted it out yesterday. Both guys, third round picks in 2018. Both guys, 17 games played in 2021. And both guys, six and a half sacks in 2021. So <laughs> their production standpoints, their draft journeys, very, very similar. And Green is someone who would be more of a Clayus Campbell replacement, someone who can play as a defensive tackle, also work out to defensive end if you need to. Could play on the edge. I don't really see him there, though. I mean, I've seen some people say, oh, you can play him on the edge. I, I see him more as a defensive tackle, defensive end type player. Still, though, the interior pass rush is something the Ravens do need badly on this team. Clayus Campbell is brought in to be a pass rusher on the interior, and also, obviously, his, his run-stuffing ability, too. But as a pass rusher in Arizona, in Jacksonville, was an amazing interior pass rusher. Comes to Baltimore, the production disappears. Derek Wolf, very solid interior pass rusher for Denver for his career there. Comes to Baltimore, it disappears. So they need to have that production. Getting Wolf back. Hopefully a new defensive system would be huge, but if the Ravens were to sign both key and green, I think that most likely signals the Ravens just want to get younger on the defensive line and would most likely end the tenures of McPhee and Campbell in Baltimore. If I had to pick if the Ravens, if I had those four guys in front of me and I had to pick two of them to be on the Ravens and it was a combination of McPhee or key and Campbell or green, I'm probably going key and Campbell. Me personally, I think Campbell still has a lot left in the tank, but Campbell played the most snaps of any Ravens defensive lineman by far in 2021. And if you remember, if, if you were here with us all last offseason, we were talking about how Clayus Campbell's role should be scaled back and he shouldn't be playing 70% of snaps or 60% of snaps every game. It should be more of a 50-40% thing where you can rotate in the young guys, but with the injuries that happened, with some of the needs they had, the Ravens just couldn't afford to do that. So I think in a reduced role, with other guys coming in, hopefully the new scheme works out. I think that would be the key for me. Literally, literally the key. So Arden Key, Clayus Campbell, that'd be my two, or those would be my two picks for the Ravens if I had to pick between McPhee, Green, Campbell, and Key. But speaking of the Tyree Kill trade, before we get into the pros and cons, and if the Ravens should have actually made that move in the second segment, Bill Barnwell of ESPN actually proposed a, a hypothetical where he said, hey, maybe the, maybe the Chiefs should call up the Ravens and ask about Marquise Brown. And so Lamar Jackson caught wind of said tweet and ended up responding to Bill Barnwell and saying, excuse my French, but hell no. Nah. <laughs> and it, it's it's so funny because he, he and Marquise Brown have a very great relationship both on and off the field. And it's, it's not a move I'd anticipate the Ravens even picking up the phone for or hanging up the phone rather quickly on, honestly, if it were to come. 
from the Chiefs. I just think Brown brings too much to them at this point. You know, whether he stays with the team or not, it remains to be seen. Eric DeCosta has already said they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, so that already seems to be settled, but an extension. I think Baltimore will try to sign him to an extension. It depends on the money, though. You know, Brown has improved in each and every year he's played in the NFL. If he continues that uptick in production in his fourth year, this coming or this upcoming year, he should have a big payday waiting for him. And then it's a matter of where does the money work. But I don't really see value in the Ravens trading Marquise Brown. I agree with Lamar Jackson here. I just th- there's no point to it because you're not getting back the capital right now that he's worth at this point in terms of what he's actually worth the Ravens. You know, he he's a huge compliment to this passing offense. Yes. Does he struggle with drops at times? Absolutely. Is there are there areas where he can improve in? Absolutely. But I still think, again, he provides more than what the Ravens could get back for, for him in a trade. So I'm with Jackson. You know, I, I'm, I'm not about that. I think that, yeah, it's it's pretty clear cut and dry for me that I would not be trading Marquise Brown if I were the Ravens. And yeah, that, that that's what it is for me. And also quickly before we head into our first break, we're talking about Tyreek Hill. Patrick Ricard joined Glenn Clark Radio and talked a bit about his process coming back to the Ravens and actually said that he called up John Harbaugh and said, hey, I want to come back. Can we work on something? And he ended up, Harbaugh ended up telling Ricard to call Eric DaCosta and the two connected, got the deal done. You know, that's obviously paraphrasing the whole story is on Glenn Clark Radio if you want to go check that out. Great story by Ricard on there, but it's kind of funny how these things work out where actually Ricard and Justin Tucker were in Napa and Ricard, you know, said to Tucker something along the lines of, Hey, I want to come back. And it was, it was Tucker's idea. It was Tucker's idea apparently to go and call John Harbaugh. So uh, a pretty fun tidbit in there, but let's head into our first break. Now So still a ton to talk about. Of course, we'll make it back. We'll be talking about the Tyreek Hill trade, the pros and cons to it from a Ravens perspective. If they were to make that deal, if the Ravens should trade for a star and if the Ravens should have traded for Tyreek Hill. So stay tuned for that. Still again, a ton to talk about, but first, let me tell you a bit about Bet Online. And again, March Madness is here. It's upon us. And my bracket, Gonzaga's still in the finals, or they're still in for me. I have them winning the whole thing, but my finals matchup was Gonzaga versus Illinois. Following along with the tournament, Illinois did uh, not do super well in the tournament. They're already out. So that's not great. But if you want to bet on the tournament and all the games from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, Online is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. And it's also not just basketball. It also has sports like hockey and live betting, your favorite Vegas casino games as well. So you can head to the website, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. We're back. Our second segment here of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you again. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen every day. But make sure you're following Locked On NFL, Locked On Experts, covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's talk about Tyree Kill a little bit. This trade was something that came out of thin air. Like, I, I, I was not expecting the Kansas City Chiefs who were talking about, oh, yeah, the next dynasty. Like, Tyreek Hill's talking about going for seven rings. They would trade Hill, goes to the Miami Dolphins. The finalists were reportedly the Dolphins and the Jets. The Chiefs get a multitude of picks back. And, yeah, it, it's it's interesting that this trade did happen. Hill wanted to become the highest-paid wide receiver. He gets a huge contract for a little context. His 2026 cap hit is $50 million. <laughs> it's a lot of money. You have cap hits in like $28 million range, $26 million range. So, you know, for a receiver, it's a lot of money. It's up there with Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, of course. And 
a lot of the discourse surrounding the Ravens was should the Ravens have made this kind of move. So I wanted to talk about the pros and cons of this move if it were to happen to the Ravens first and kind of relating it back to other stars, other positions the Ravens could make trades for. And I want to get it off right now. I want to say it right here, right now. I think the Ravens should be aggressive in trading for a star. I think they should. They have enough young talent. Well, I shouldn't say enough, but they have a lot of young talent. They have 10 draft picks in this upcoming draft. They're good at getting compensatory picks, although it's not coming probably in 2023 for them. But I think that for the window they are in, they can probably, if if and when Lamar Jackson is signed to that extension, I still believe it's going to happen. Obviously, nothing set in stone. But if and when that is signed, I think that the Ravens, they can backload it a little bit and have the first couple years be a lower cap hit so they can still contend, still bring in players for the next two, three, four seasons, and you can have a star on that payroll, and that would work out really well for them. Now, the 14th pick is an interesting pick because the Ravens, they haven't really had that high of a pick a lot of times, right? They've usually been in the upper teens, low 20s, high 20s, even in the 30s, of course, winning those Super Bowls. But to me, it's this thing where there are clear needs on this team they should go out there and be aggressive and make those trades. Are they going to be? They've been aggressive in free agency a bit so far with Marcus Williams and the what should have been signing as Adarius Smith. But if you can get a position or a player to position for two, three, four years at the top of his game on a big contract, I think they should do it. But the thing for me, and speaking of, let's start with the pros before the cons. A receiver like Tyree Kill opens up the field for the Ravens and for any team. I mean, he fits in any offense, can do a bunch of different things. He, he's good at practically everything on the field. He's a speedster, can burn you. I mean, imagine imagine a Ravens offense with Tyree Kill, Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews. Like, that is demon levels of speed right there. Like, that is insanity in terms of a speed level. But you look at it other ways, and do the Ravens have a need at wide receiver? So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the other pros of this is that the Ravens will just become pretty impossible to defend. I, I mean, literally, who, who are you covering on the Ravens' offense? Are you covering Tyree Kill? How, mu- how much safety help do you put over the top for Tyree Kill? How much safety help do you put over the top for Marquise Brown? Where does that leave Rashad Bateman or Mark Andrews one-on-one? Devin Duvernay, James Perchet, right? Th- those are the types of things you ha- you look at and you think, wow. This offense, incredible, because you're adding such an elite playmaker in Tyree Kill. He can do a lot of things with the ball in his hands. You can design plays for him, like sweeps and whatnot, to, to literally just get the ball in his hands, make defenses scared of him, and then attack them other ways. Plus, with how good the Ravens' rushing offense, I think, should be when J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards come back, and hopefully Ronnie Stanley, etc., I think that having a player like Hill on the roster would have been an absolutely amazing thing. And you know, a player like him or another star receiver like Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I'm not not just going to limit it to Hill, but some of those top flight, you know, Stephon Diggs type players, plus what the Ravens already have and have already established, I think that'd be great because you're able to open up the field. Defenses have to spread out. You can run draws. You can run read options. You can play action off of that. Mark Andrews will be open in the middle of the field. Rashad Bateman will cut across. I mean, you have all these different options, all these all these different scenarios where you can say, all right, Tyree, go run down the field and go take two guys with you. Marquise Brown, go take two guys with you. And then, all right, who's one-on-one? Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, if they're double covering Mark Andrews and there's not safety up over the top for Hill, 
He can burn deep. He can do a bunch of different routes to get free and get open, wiggle open. He's great in the open field, burner type speed. I mean, the possibilities with him are pretty, pretty endless. And so that's really the main pro for me is that if the Ravens were to make that kind of move, trading for a star wide receiver like a Tyreek Hill, and obviously, you know, all the star receivers are different. They're all really good, but each have a different aspect of their game that they're really good at and maybe are a bit better at than the others. For Hill, it's the speed. It's the game-breaking ability, you know, the ability to change the game in one play. Those are the types of moves that the Ravens, I think, should look to invest in trading for a star that can break the game, for example. Now, looking at a bit of the cons, obviously, Hill is a player that did just sign a massive, massive contract. And for a star player like Hill, you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to pay him a ton of money. And, I mean, the Ravens have already done that with Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Lamar Jackson, which, again, if and when, for me, I still think it's probably going to happen. But, again, nothing is set in stone. Nothing has happened. There's still a possibility nothing does. But, I don't know. It just, as I've said before, it feels like it will at some point. Those are the types of players you pay big money to. In terms of receiver, though, if Tyree Kill were to come into this offense, how would Greg Roman have utilized him? What's the offense going to look like with J.K. Dobbins and Gus, and Gus Edwards back? And what I mean by that is, speaking of pure pass attempts, the Ravens ranked ninth in the league in 2021 in pass attempts. That is top half of the league. It's top 10. That had a lot to do, in my opinion, with the losses of Dobbins and Edwards and Stanley and just the Ravens, the Ravens rushing offense being completely ineffective. The Ravens had to adjust. They were down in some games. They had to throw a ton. And it just wasn't what their offense was. You looked at 2020 and 2019, both of those years, they were dead last in pass attempts. And I'm not going down the line of saying, oh, well, Tyree Kill is going to get frustrated after one game or Devontae Adams is going to get, like, maybe, maybe that happens. But I'm talking more of, do you want to invest all that money, all that draft capital into a player or a position that maybe doesn't maximize that value for the Ravens at this point. It's a, it's a fair question. Some people say absolutely yes. Some people say absolutely no. I, I'm more in the middle there. I, I think it would be very worthwhile for the Ravens to go out there and get a Devontae Adams or a DeAndre Hopkins. I, I was all on board with DeAndre Hopkins when that rumor came out. And I know it's, I, I kind of block it away because it's like all oh, the Ravens were in the running and they were so close. And then it just, it falls apart. And of course, but those are the types of players that break open games. But the thing now with this team compared to 2018, 2019, 2020, even 2021, is that at this point, wide receiver is not the biggest need on this team. In fact, it has kind of gone down into a bit of a still could use a guy, but isn't a isn't a massive, massive need. For the Ravens, their big needs are edge, corner, offensive line, and, and stuff along those lines. So I, I still think it's very worthwhile to invest in a star. Obviously, also, Hill has some of those off-the-field issues where, to me, that was where I kind of drew the line with the Ravens and said, yeah, they're probably not making this move. And there are, there are other reasons as well, but the Ravens have established a culture. They have been very firm in that culture. Hill with the off-field issues, I just don't know if the Ravens would have made that move. In fact, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't. That was probably the, all right, yeah, we're not we're, we're not going after that guy type deal. There's no denying Hill's talent on the field, but there are a couple other factors that go into that. And when you look at it from a Ravens perspective, I still think getting a star is, is a key for them. And whether that does come in the form of a young star at number 14 or a veteran star on a big money contract for the next two, three, four seasons, that could be the key for them. DeAndre Hopkins only has two years left on his deal, right? He still has big cap hits. They're around 20, 26, $28 million. But after that, you can renegotiate. He's going to be, you know, getting into his 30s there. So you can say, all right, what do you want? What are we going to pay you? This is what we're doing. But until this offense, I think, 
maybe becomes a bit more balanced from what we saw in 2019 and 2020. We don't really know what it's going to be like yet because the Ravens offense was injured in 2021. So I think the Ravens, if they were to have their run game, wouldn't have been ninth in pass attempts. It would have probably been more in the 20s, not not dead last. But until the Ravens are a more balanced offense, I would rather invest that money and that draft capital in a star offensive lineman or a star cornerback on defense or a star defensive lineman, edge rusher. So you have that value. You're using them more. And I'm not saying that if the Ravens got a Tyree Killer, Devontae Adams, or DeAndre Hopkins, they wouldn't use them. I mean, of course they would. They'd be, they'd be the best wide receiver on the Ravens team by far. And as I talked about in the pro section, there are clear and obvious pros to acquiring a star wide receiver. And I even said it yesterday, my star all-in move for the Ravens, if it were to be on offense, were to be either to trade for a wide receiver or running back. But I see wide receiver as if you're looking to invest big money, you're doing it there as opposed to running back because running backs just don't get paid in this day and age. I mean, it's the whole thing with running backs is, yeah, by the time they're 30, they're done. And obviously that's not the case all the time. I mean, we just saw Frank Gore do historic things, but you know, teams are looking to trade Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. There isn't value there. There's value in wide receiver. The Ravens value that position, but teams like the Bengals, teams like the Chiefs, et cetera, et cetera, who do throw the ball a lot. And even the Bengals didn't throw the ball a ton in 2022. Those are the types of teams you have to look at and say, all right, where do the Ravens value positions? What positions do the Ravens need right now? Do they need to invest $20 million a year in wide receiver right now, $30 million a year in wide receiver and in one player right now at wide receiver? I think that's better well spent at cornerback and edge, but I still think that acquiring a wide receiver is very important. Obviously, Devontae Parker could be a guy who they look at if he is cut. He's not a Tyree Kill. He's not a not a Devontae Adams, but he is a big body guy. That's what the Ravens need right now, whether they can draft somebody in the draft, sign a Julio Jones. They should look at it. They should absolutely look at it. But to me, it's pretty close as to whether the Ravens should make a move for a star wide receiver. I think Hill, just the, the profile and everything, the big, big money contract for without signing Lamar Jackson to an extension yet. The fit is a bit questionable, although you can pretty much quote unquote fit on any offense. But to me, with the off-field stuff, that's where I kind of said the Ravens probably aren't doing this move. Devontae Adams I would have liked, DeAndre Hopkins I would have liked, but if another star receiver becomes available, like what's DK Metcalf up to? Like, do the, the Ravens want to make a move for him? So the Ravens should, I think, acquire a star. The Hill move didn't work out for him. In terms of whether the Ravens should have made the move or not, I, I lean more towards no. You know, it's just the, the big money, the draft capital and one receiver with the Ravens offense the way it is right now. Again, how would Greg Roman utilize a guy like Tyreek Hill? When would he have him on the field? How would he be able to do it? That Those are all really key questions. And until the Ravens offense is a bit more balanced and we see that they're a bit more balanced, maybe we see that week one. But until we see that, I think the Ravens are better off acquiring a star on the offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, edge rusher, et cetera. But into our final break here, though, when we get back, we'll be diving into some mock drafts from Twitter. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to talk about on Locked On Ravens. We're back here. Our final seven of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshak, your host, still here with you. We just talked about the Tyree Kill trade. Pros and cons to it from Ravens' perspective, whether they should trade for a star and whether the Ravens should have made the move for Hill in particular. But now let's talk about a couple of mock drafts here from Twitter. We had a ton that we got over the course of Sunday, and I'm probably I'm still not gonna be able to get to all of them. In fact, I know that I won't be able to get to all of them here today, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna look at them in the order that I see them and we'll go from there. So first let's talk about a mock draft from Tree Sentinel, who has the Ravens actually in a trade, trading pick 14 to the Green Bay Packers for 
pick 22 and a pick 59. At 22, Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa's the selection. 45, Jalen Petrie, corner from or safety, defensive back from Baylor's the pick. 59, Kingsley Angambare, the South Carolina edge, is the selection. Then a trade. The Ravens end up trading up and picking at 68. Martin Emerson, the corner from Mississippi State, they trade pick 76 and 141. 100, Luke Godecki, Central Michigan tackles the pick. Neil Farrell Jr., defensive lineman, LSU was at 110. Jerome Ford, Cincinnati, running back is at 119. Christian Watson, North Dakota State, wide receiver is at 128. Grant Calcaterra, SMU tight end is 139. And Brad Hawkins, safety from Michigan, is at 196. So the Linderbaum trade down. I am more on board with this than taking Linderbaum at 14. I think that Linderbaum's a great player. I don't know if I'm comfortable taking a center at 14. The Ravens need good center play. They absolutely need good center play. The fit for me, it's a bit questionable for the Ravens, but I think that if you trade down for him, I am much more on board with that selection, but it depends also just who's on the board in general. I like Jalen Petrie a lot. Do-it-all player can really be a versatile piece in that Ravens. Secondary can do a lot for them. Agnambare is someone who had a pretty bad combine. I'd expect him to fall a bit more than... 59, but you know, if the mock draft simulator had him up there, then they had him up there. Emerson's a really underrated corner, in my opinion. I like Christian Watson a lot. He's more than you know, one of the receivers I would be very okay with the Ravens taking. And you have again just some some needs. The Ravens don't have to take a tackle in the first round anymore with the addition of Morgan Moses. So Luke Godecki, I think, in the third round is a very solid option. Defensive line, same thing. They don't have to invest heavily there. They could still invest in uh, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, etc. But I think Neil Farrell is a pretty solid pick there. You got running back, tight end. A safety, I don't see the Ravens taking a safety in this draft. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they have enough depth right now at that position where they don't need to do that. So that's maybe the only pick where I'm thinking maybe a different position at that point. Maybe you take a, another interior offensive lineman, although already having a center there, you don't necessarily need to do that. Maybe a second edge rusher because the Ravens just, you know, the depth isn't necessarily there at this point. So maybe that, maybe you do something along those lines. But yeah, an overall pretty decent draft. Linderbaum's not my favorite first round prospect, but... I still like him if the Ravens were to trade down in the draft, which is exactly what Tree Sentinel does here. So good start for us here in this final segment. Next year, let's talk about a mock draft from B. Ward, who says my best draft to date with some trade down. So another trade down here where the Ravens trade 14 and 141 for 18, 49, and 98. Great value there. 18, the Ravens take Jermaine Johnson, Florida State Edge. Jalen Petrie, 45 is the pick. The Defensive back from Baylor. Then another trade, the Ravens end up trading 49 and 196 for 53 and 92. Daniel Pulele, the tackle from Minnesota, is at 53. Martin Emerson, corner from Mississippi State, at 76. Christian Watson, wide receiver from North Dakota State, 92. Rasheed Walker, tackle from Penn State at 98. D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky, edge at 100. Jelani Woods, tight end, 139. Then a final trade here. 128 in a sixth round pick go to the Saints and 161 in a round four in 2023 go to the Ravens and Cam Jurgens. The center is the selection from Nebraska. Now, wow, what a what a draft here in the first three rounds by B. Ward. Jermaine Johnson at 18. Look, in my opinion, there's no way he makes it there. But again, if the mock draft simulator gives it to you, you take it. And so good, good on B. Ward for taking him. The Petri we talked about, very nice chess piece. The the combination of Falili and Walker. Super, super interesting to me because I don't think they need to do that at this point because they have Morgan Moses, but there's no guarantee that all these draft picks hit. In fact, it is pretty unlikely that all these draft picks hit. So if you have a backup option, Lily had a pretty poor pro day, so he might actually fall a bit more than he is here. Maybe he's in this range a little bit more towards the beginning of the third round, but 
there are valuable options, viable options in this draft to tackle in the second and third rounds. I think that's kind of a misconception that the tackle class just falls off after Charles Cross, but that's not the case where there, there are options. And I think B word takes two of those Christian Watson, third round wide receiver. I'm, I'm okay with it. That's probably the, the top where I'm top area. I know P George Pickens is someone who I'm, I'm coming around to. I think he'd be good, but you know, Baltimore, Again, like you talked about in the second segment, how much resources do you want or how many resources do you want to put into wide receiver? It'll be interesting to see how they do that. Then also you got the defensive line, you got the running back, you got the tight end, the center. Maybe instead of a Rashid Walker, if you take Lily, you get a defensive lineman up there in the third round. Or instead of Lily, you get a defensive lineman in the second round. But I, I like this mock draft a lot. I mean, Jermaine Johnson at 18 is, is a steal by himself. So good draft there from B Ward. Next, let's take a look at a draft from E Money who has the Ravens selecting Jordan Davis, the interior defensive lineman at 14, then Kyler Gordon, cornerback at 45, John Pascal, edge at 76, Cole Strange, interior offensive lineman at 100, Jai Sanders, edge at 110, Josh Joby, corner at 119, Chig Okonkwo, tight end at 128, John Ridgeway, interior defensive lineman at 139, DeMarco Jackson, linebacker at 141. Now, Jordan Davis, very, very intriguing player. We all saw the combine. We all know his athletic traits. I think it'd be very interesting a Davis fit on this roster. I mean, he'd be a, he'd be amazing on this defensive line. And I think it'd be a worthwhile investment, especially if the Ravens go out there and sign an Oregon key, for example, or get a, get a JC Treader or a Bobby Wagner that kind of eliminates other needs. Kyler Gordon is a player who I, I I'm half and half on. I've taken him before. I like Roger McCreary. There are a couple other guys, but I think Gordon's still a very solid prospect. Then you have two edge guys at 76 and 110. The interior offensive lineman and Cole Strange can play center. You have another cornerback at 119, then tight end, another interior defensive lineman in Ridgeway, inside linebacker in Jackson. Yeah, overall really solid. There's no running back selected here. So that may be a Devonta Freeman reunion, which I have been on board with for a while if that is the way the Ravens go so nice mock draft there from E-Money I think Jordan Davis hasn't really been talked about as much as other prospects recently because with all the well the trades has been all right cornerback 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 because you know all these quarterbacks coming to the AFC but I still think that for Baltimore Davis would be a, a pretty solid pick maybe a trade down candidate but he might also go top 10 because of the combine that he had honestly so good mock draft there from E money next let's talk about a mock draft from ray rico who has the ravens taking drake london wide receiver at number 14 i think that's the first time we've had drake london taken in the first round in this mock draft series daniel Felili, offensive tackle 45 drake jackson edge 76 troy anderson linebacker 99 martin emerson corner 108 jelani woods tight end 117 kobe bryant corner 126 Braxton Jones, offensive tackle, 138. John Ridgeway, interior defensive lineman, 140. Luke Fortner, interior offensive lineman, at 194. So, yeah, Troy Anderson, a very good interior guy on the linebacker crew, could step in and, and play with Patrick Queen. He's one of the more versatile players in the draft, but you're talking about versatility. And this is a very versatile draft overall. I mean, obviously, the guy who sticks out is Anderson in terms of obvious versatility. But the big pick here is Drake London at 14. <laughs> I mean, a wide receiver at 14, I think, would maybe send a couple people into a frenzy just because it's almost like, all right, the Ravens need corners. They need edge rushers. And you're taking a wide receiver already with Marquise Brown or Shaw Bateman on the roster. I don't I, okay, let me make it I don't I don't hate the idea of the Ravens taking a wide receiver at 14. I just think there are other bigger needs that should be addressed first before a wide receiver, because this is a relatively deep wide receiver class. Whereas cornerback, there's a tiny drop off edge there's a drop off so if there's a talented player there i think you can get away with taking a 
better player at a bigger need as opposed to a Drake London, who I'm not saying is a bad player. I mean, he is a very, very good wide receiver, one of the best in this class, obviously. But I think for me, London would be a player who would be a trade down, but I don't think if you trade down, he's going to be there because a team's going to take him because he's, he's that talented. So I think for me, London is, is not someone I'd take at 14, but I understand the reasoning behind taking a wide receiver there. Philly's great. I've talked about him before. Drake Jackson, very underrated. I talked about Anderson. I've talked about Emerson. Woods is a do-it-all tight end. Kobe Bryant would be a great corner, kind of a depth piece. Then you have the offensive tackle double down there with Braxton Jones, an interior defensive lineman and John Ridgeway, who I think is very, very underrated. And Luke Fortner is a center option who a lot of people really like out of Kentucky. So yeah, fairly solid mock drafts here overall. I like the differentiations in first round picks. So we're not talking about, you know, Sauce Gardner the whole time. It's, it's been nice to kind of differentiate those picks and have different, different players picked at different positions. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Raven. Thank you so much for joining me here once again on this show. When we get back in tomorrow, we'll be talking more Ravens, of course. So stay tuned for that and I will see you tomorrow.